anyway, I don't know. I don't have like a bit or anything. We can just get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, as you know, I don't know how to start the podcast yet, so it'll either be what I keep from the first five minutes that I've been recording or something along the lines of Welcome to Late to the Movies, this podcast where me, Ben Holt, and my friends get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, the movie is 1974's Murder on the Orient Express. It's episode number two of Who Done It Month, and we're tackling a classic adapted from a classic featuring one of the classic sleuths, Hercule Poirot, the, uh, the Belgian slooper, super sleuth himself, um, who I think is only ever depicted in his 50s or 60s, but is played by somewhere in his 30s, Albert Finney in this one. But, uh, you know, one of the most well thought of of the Poirot adaptations, one of the few that Agatha Christie actually liked. But before we get there, my guests, your guests, left, right, across your podcast out. We got Anthony. I'm just waiting for my Amber Moon to kick in, Ben. <laughs> He drinks one and then he's dead. Like it's, it seems <laughs> like even a, drink it. Yeah, you didn't even get to drink it. <laughs> it's no good, man. <laughs> um, it's it's fine. I, I do really want to get to talk about this movie because so often it's a case where oh, this is the first episode that we'll be covering this famous actor or director or producer, whatever. Um, and this has one. We don't do a lot of movies from the seventies. Two, this was a particularly star-studded movie from the 70s, directed by Sidney Lumet. So uh, a lot of first-timers on the podcast today. But I do want to know, have you watched anything good recently? Uh, Yeah. Cool. Um, The documentary Muscles and Mayhem about the American Gladiators was phenomenal. That's on Netflix. I highly, highly recommend if you watched American Gladiators as a kid. Those guys were rock stars. It's like the equivalent of like wrestling and, well, it's reality TV also, wrestling, but it's like a mix of both those worlds. Mm-hmm. And just like a tr- amazing uh, nostalgia trip. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I haven't had a chance to see. Oh, that's fine. I we tried just to talk about the movie too. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also, ha- uh, I really want to see um, Asteroid City. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I loved it. Yeah. Loved I, I, it. Yeah, I heard that in the last last podcast yeah so that's my uh it's been a three-step process between these three recordings i guess where i went like i think i loved that but need to roll it around in the old brain tumbler a bit yeah um and at this point i'm just sort of you know unqualified i love it but i don't i don't expect everyone to love it it's not one that i would necessarily like be like get in the car grandparents you're gonna love this it's it's tough no yeah but if you like wes anderson it's yeah it looks like a great film it is um i I guess my sister told me my aunt and uncle went to see it and they had never seen a Wes Anderson movie before. They just like, oh, really? want, they just like wanted to go to a movie. What's in theaters right now? This yeah. looks interesting. Um, and they were like, what is going on? Yeah. It's like, I don't know if that's where I would start. With yeah. You Wes can't Anderson, start with that. You got to get used it's to it. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's still fine. It's just, uh, he's doing more and more of his sort of like nesting doll structural stuff. So it's, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, really, really good. <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching, uh, the bear season two on Hulu. Oh, I love it. I haven't gotten into the bear yet. Everyone seems to love it. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to. It also, everyone says it's really stressful too, which I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for right now. It's super stressful. Cause I, you know, my alternate career that I might've told you about at one point, I would, since eighth grade, I always wanted to be a chef. Yeah. So like that's about as real depiction as you can get. And the few volunteer 
um, you know, yeah. internships I did in kitchens during COVID, uh, really reminded me of that show, but the act, Jeremy Allen White is just phenomenal in it. And, in the, yeah, uh, the whole cast is just so good. That feels like a dude that's going to be like a dude for oh, a while. He, if he's um, not, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's just so hard to break through in any meaningful way from never mind TV, but just kind of streaming to yeah. like do a thing now. Um, yeah. I mean, how many people watch Stranger Things and like what's, you know, what's going on with any of them? Those right. kids. <laughs> True. Well, they're going to be in It too, right? Uh, oh, did It too already come out? Several years ago, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was it, I guess. Yeah, that's fan um, far. That's all I could think of. <laughs> but anyway, this isn't a Stranger Things podcast. But you know what's uh, coming out on Halloween is uh, Five Minutes in Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's? Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Five minutes would be a much shorter film. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> five Nights at Freddy's, which um, yeah, one of the best movies I've seen in the last five years is a film called Willy's Wonderland with Nick Cage, where he says nothing and he fights uh, yeah. animatronic robots inhabited by the spirits of serial killers. Yes, it's it's a total ripoff of Five Nights at, yeah. at Freddy's. But now they're they're going to make this one and it looks sort of scary, but yeah. same sort of goofy slasher. Um, the same, it's the same exact premise. Obviously, the main character has uh, dialogue in it, but yeah. I can't wait for that to come out because that was so good. I, I remember when the it was Willy's Wonderland, yeah, came out. I haven't seen it, but I've seen a video about it. Yeah, and they're talking about like, yeah, clearly they would have had to pay Nick Cage more to have dialogue. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that he even agreed to do that is he just I'm works. not surprising because Nick works. Cage is the man. You yeah, know what I mean, so he just he's always working and. The last thing, I think yeah. it was Vaz who said in the last podcast, he was very disappointed that you didn't keep this month as water month. <laughs> I thought you should have came out hot with 20,000 leagues under the sea. Because who who cares? Who cares? Yeah, well, so the thing I was thinking was like, okay, we'll change. In a couple of weeks, will anyone even like no. sort of clock that it's an issue? But it just felt it's like, like... It was like a meteor in the sky. It was a media phenomenon yeah. for that two-week period. Everybody knew what was going to happen. We were just sort of waiting for the train wreck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's sad, of course, but at the same time, it's like, it's sad and ridiculous. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still happy that we did this. I love whodunits. Oh, of course. We'll have yeah, to do yeah. some wet drugs. movies at some point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, one thing I, I didn't necessarily plan on, and this can be a transition to the movie if I wasn't also going to mention something next, but whatever. Um, one thing I didn't plan on, when I changed from water month to be like, oh, we should do something different that isn't related just to, you know, for taste reasons. Um, the first two movies, The Thin Man and this, both set in December. Oh, true. Um, which wasn't necessarily my plan, but we're about as far from the beach, from the ocean as you can get right now. <laughs> it's fine. That's a good point. Um, Touche. To pull it back, though, to give like a quick, you know, capsule review of something anyone can go watch because it's free on YouTube. That is related to submarines, so it's not a complete cop-out from Water Month. James Cameron's Deep Sea Challenge 3D on YouTube. It's yeah. a feature-length documentary about the process by which James Cameron and his team made a submersible that could take him to the Challenger Deep, the lowest part of the ocean, uh, at least as far as we know. Yep. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty good. You know, I threw it on for, like, some background noise. It's like an hour, 90 minutes, I think, and... Yeah. I don't know if you're interested more in the science and less of the sensational aspects right. of that sort of media storm. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. And like I said, it's just on YouTube. So no, I believe it. I, I yeah. think I've seen clips of, um, when he went to the Titanic, 
Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so this is three times deeper than the Titanic. Yeah, right. Which is insane. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty cool submersible they make. It's yeah. green. I like that. Yeah. And it's always funny because his wife is in Titanic. She's the granddaughter of Rose, who's just in like the frame, you know, present day story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he ended up marrying her. Right. So, so you just see her is like, you know, it's been whatever, almost 30 years since Titanic. So she looks older, but I don't know her from any other movie. Right. So there's the only two things I can remember oh, her that's, from. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, isn't it when he went down to the Titanic, wasn't that on 9-11? And he did, when they came up, they didn't know that. So he, one, yeah, one of the times he was doing a dive, he came up and Bill Paxton told him. Yes. That yeah, that's that a story. Yeah. Um, He's like I'm one not of sure. two people that on the planet Earth that were unaware. Of. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so there is a, a weird clip you can just look it up of Bill Paxton telling James Cameron oh, that nine no eleven happened. He goes, "Jim, worst terrorist attack in history." Um, That's wild. So, yeah, uh, and I watched the new Indiana Jones movie. Oh no way! Yep, yep. How was it? I already got mixed reviews. I thought it was a fun time. Yeah. Does, Harrison Ford is too old. He is so the so the main issue I have with it is it's too long. So if you've watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, if you did a rewatch recently, like I did, you're like, this movie's too long. Like tighten it up. You're doing too many things. It's getting too weird. Give yourself less time. Too much to get, Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Yeah. Maybe take out like 20 minutes from that, and you have a much tighter movie. Maybe less of the stuff we don't like. This movie's a half hour longer. No way. Um. Yeah. It's two and a half and change. That's too long. It's way too long, and it's like the first, the opening sequence, all indie movies have an opening sequence. Right. Um, if you've seen the trailers, you know that they're doing de-aging technology to have Harrison Ford be indie, like in the 40s. Yep. With, you know, fighting Nazis. Yep. You know, because you're always wondering, like, what was indie doing in World War II? So they show you, um, and the sequence goes on forever, but that is pretty much the only time they're using the de-aging technology and the rest of it is him being too old. <laughs> yeah. And he's like retiring from his position at his college. And yeah, that stuff, honestly, it's more interesting. That's the getting into him being too old stuff. I, I think it's better. Um, just like lose 20 minutes from that opening sequence. And I think it's like a much tighter movie. Yeah. So do they set somebody up to be the next Indiana Jones? Maybe. Okay. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I guess, would be the connection. Yeah. Um, she has actually really good chemistry with Harrison Ford. Um, I, I, I mean, Harrison Ford's 80 now, but there was a time where it wouldn't be that weird that anyone has good chemistry with Harrison Ford. He's right, sure. Harrison Ford. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's funny. I, there's some reviews have said she's, her character's annoying, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Are they tying him in to make him, he's going to be Sean Connery? Star of Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> um, I think they kind of already did that in this movie. Okay, he's right, he's the Godfather of oh, uh, gotcha. Phoebe Waller Bridge's character. Okay, so it's kind of like a lot of the movie is him getting dragged around different places. Yeah, it's kind sense. of like Sean Connery yeah. in, in Glass Crusade. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was pretty good. If this is like the goodbye to this character, which it really feels like it is now. Um, there's nothing like Shia LaBeouf picking up the fedora at the end of Crystal Skull. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like that. Okay. One last question. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about um, Mission Impossible 7 in I, uh, a few days? Weirdly coming out on Monday. Yeah. Because they, they kept pushing it up so Tom Cruise gets more IMAX time before Oppenheimer comes out. I thought it's July 12th. 
21st. July 21st. Okay. Yep, yep. So it was going to be a week plus however early it came out before. Now it's yeah. coming out on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I already bought my tickets. Um, so I'm ready. Oh, nice. Uh, so I'm ready to take IMAX? the ride. In IMAX? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it in IMAX too because I made that mistake with Top Gun just seeing it in a regular theater, but I think IMAX yeah. is the way to go. We got tickets for next Thursday, so I've got a week. I'm going to try and watch them all, which is one almost every night because this is seven? Seven, yeah. I'm on four. Okay. And so it's next Thursday night, so I got seven days. You're going to need a lot of amber moons to... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There were, We identified at least two really good transitions to talk about the movie. Yeah, we did. That we did not take, to, but whatever. Is um, Harrison Ford in Murder on the Orient Express? No. No. They've made so many Close. versions and TV yeah. versions, and maybe we can work backwards from... Uh, John Malkovich weirdly did Poirot for BBC. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Called Poirot. Yeah, I think so. But he's not... I don't think the English people liked him too much. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about 1974's Sidney Lumet-directed Murder on the Orient Express, or as the title card says it, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Originally called Murder on the Calais Coach. Yes. Um... They say Calais Coach so many more times than they say Orient Express in yeah. this movie. Because they're on hey, the Calais Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm just pointing that out. Because it's listeners. really just the one <laughs> coach that we're focused yeah, on. Right, yeah. Uh, the rest of the train, everyone's chilling, I guess. Yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> to see here. The, in, the, in one of these coaches, yeah. the most dramatic moments of all of these people's lives. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, it's just a classic mystery. Do you want... Uh, bef- I want to talk about it a lot, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, I hadn't seen this movie before. I, I didn't see the 74 version, yeah. but I read the book and I saw the newer version. I hadn't read the book and I hadn't seen the uh, Branagh version. You didn't see anything? No. Nope. Or read anything? No. Nope. Oh, wow. I've seen very This is a real few... treat for you then. Yeah, I, I kind of loved it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> um, I've seen very few... Agatha Christie adaptations. It was, I, I, there's a thirties, I think. And then there were none. Of course, in the movie, it has a different title, but we don't say that one anymore. Yep. Um, and I thought that was really good, but it's just sort of, and I'm bringing it back to the movie we're talking about. It's kind of just like, you imagine it's stage actors and it's just, we're going to do it as a play and we're going to record it. Yeah. Um, it's on sets and it's in on locations, but it's just sort of the way, it, there's no camera moves. There's no verve to it. Yeah. This movie has that, right? And then some. It's yep. uh, it's well filmed and pretty interesting. It's excellent. I mean, it's Sidney Lumet. So yeah, the, yeah. One and, of the greatest uh, directors of all time. We shouldn't assume people know uh, Twelve Angry Men. Yep. Uh, uh, did he do Dog Day Afternoon? Yeah, Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, I guess they're probably the main pulls, but tons of stuff. I mean, he's, yeah. What five time Academy Award nominee, something yeah. like that. Not the only one in this cast, right? <laughs> this movie is six. Six nominations, one win for yeah. Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's in this movie too. Yeah, which I thought, is that was odd. I mean, I think she yeah. her part was great, but she had a small part compared to everybody else. She did. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Let's get yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do a one-minute plot summary. You got it? Uh, Sometimes you have it written out. So. I, I I have it. Okay. Uh, you want me to do it? You sure? You didn't see it. I'll, I'll, di- I'll digress no, I to you. I don't write anything down. Mine will okay. be meandering and boring. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, in 1934, the legendary Hercule Poirot boards the Orient Express to return home after solving a case in Istanbul. But there's no rest for Mr. Poirot, as on the train he meets up with James Bond, Ilsa Lund, and Legends of the Screen, only to learn of a murder of one Mr. Ratchet. Twelve stab wounds and twelve passengers on the Calais coach. 
uh, we watch Poirot deduce the true identity of the 12 passengers as well as Mr. Ratchet, who turns out to be the man responsible for the death of baby Daisy Armstrong. Hold on one second. Um, we'll, we're going to be spoiling this movie. Keep going. Oh, come on. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> much, much like a jury, uh, 12 and true, they're all connected to Daisy and also knew Ratchet's true identity as Cassetti. However, are they all guilty? As the train pulls away from the snowbank, Senor Poirot must wrestle with his conscience while our 12 passengers toast to a job well done. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't even have a spoiler warning before we did the plot summary in the last Just one. Just edit it in. And I, yeah, I might, I might do it so you, so I don't mess up your flow. Um, with the thing if you didn't I'm, see it by now, it came on 74. If you yeah. didn't see it by now, <laughs> There's been multiple options and opportunities. Yeah. Um, you had 100 years. So without, is, is the Brando one the same conclusion or is, did yeah. they change it? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, the, the book's a little different. I know the book has like yeah. some different characters even. Uh, I don't remember. I read the book a long time ago. I don't remember the specifics, yeah. the differences. I know there's just like a different guy instead of Bianchi in the movie that's yeah. like the, the owner of the it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he might be French Okay. in the book, not Italian. Yeah, makes sense. And um, uh, it's I forgot who the, at the end of the book, it's either Linda Arden or Mrs. Debenham who's, who c- confesses. Yeah, to to doing the solving the whole thing, but um, they he he chooses the other option anyway, and yeah. he, he lets them all go I as like opposed it. to giving them the option to which one are you going to pick. I kind of I kind of prefer that it's just an unspoken thing that like yeah he's got y'all dead to rights, but yeah. this guy really sucks. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> yeah, he leaves it up to uh, Sen- Senor Bianchi. Um, so order of did you read the book? First, before seeing any I, adaptation, I read the book first. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I really like crime novels, so I read. I read right. that. It's it's rated as her best book. So, and yeah. I, I think it really is because I also read the ABC Murders, and that one yeah. takes a little bit of time to get into. But this one flows right off the bat. You can read it in a day, honestly. Yeah, and her her two Agatha Christie, her two biggest are this and Death on the Death on the Nile, seemingly yeah. by reputation at least. Um, so good to know that at least this one's also her best. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when you're reading the book, is there a point at which you figured out, oh, this is what's going to happen before the big reveal or it's more parts diffi- of it? Or, it's I'm- more difficult in the book than it is in the film. In sure. the film, you figure it out right away. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure that it was everyone, but yeah. there was definitely like, uh, all right, definitely more than one of these people yeah, yeah. are responsible. And I definitely figured out who, like the countess is obviously the sister of this person right um and stuff like yeah in the in the book it takes a little while because you don't you can't see all the characters right and you don't see how they interact and you don't see the murder happen i feel like visually it helps you piece it together quicker but as soon as you figure out the first maybe one or two identities of the people you're like i i get what's going on here yeah The, the best to me the plot twist for a whodunit is the ending yeah when he puts yes. it all together and yeah. he says it's really clever you can either we'll go with the this random guy who came on the train and escaped in the, the snow drift with a fake uh, conductor outfit yeah. or you guys can, can confess it's not up to me you fit, it's up to you it's your conscience not mine yeah no I I, I love the ending yeah it's that's great. the best part um and uh, I, I, well, whatever, we're talking about the ending, so not. I don't think this is skipping around. Reverse whatever. order, yeah. It's kind of like, okay, we've already talked about the ending. Are we going to go step by step through the plot? I don't feel like that's really necessary with this yeah. movie. 
Um, it's something like a little bit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But I was just going to say the ending not only is the best part story wise, but I also feel like um, acting wise for Albert Finney and Poirot. Yeah. Who kind of himself as a character takes a while to kind of get involved. Yeah. But once he does, he's like, he sort of dominates. And then this, you know, when they're in the cafe car, it's eight pages of dialogue yeah. in the behind the scenes thing that I was watching. Sidney Lumet said he thought it was like around eight pages of dialogue yeah. that he's doing. Oh, wow. And they're doing the reenaction reenactments that they're cutting to. But I mean, it's just Finney. He's just pacing the cabin and talking and it's doing business with moving items around yeah. and just talking. And yeah. you never question for one second man, why aren't, why isn't anyone else saying something? Why isn't anyone jumping in? You're like, Oh, I, if I was in there, I'd be utterly wrapped. This yeah. guy is so fascinating to watch. The book does an excellent job of portraying how, um, eccentric Poirot yeah. is too. And I think F- Finney nails it, but I like the Kenneth Branagh version better. Oh, but okay. I, I mean, watch it the second time. It, uh, Finney really grows on you. I don't, but at yeah. the first time I was like, uh, this is kind of weird. Is this guy, he's just, is he he's doing just a like fake a French accent? <laughs> what the hell's going on? Yeah. Well, Albert Finney, I guess we can talk about the characters a little bit yeah. and then let's do plot. Um, and start with, starting with Poirot, Albert Finney, maybe most known to the people likely to listen to this podcast as the groundskeeper that's in the last segment of Skyfall. Yes, that's um, him. Yep. That was his last film role, but he was He's a leading else. man in the 60s and 70s and yeah. sort of transitioned to character actor. He's in something else uh, in the 2000s. He's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. He, he like never stopped working. Right, right, right. TV and movies. But I feel like something that maybe our generation would know. I forget I forget what it is. The the Bourne movies? Yeah, he's in the, he's in the Bourne movies. Yep. And yeah. um, I was thinking of uh, Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, Aaron Brockovich, the Bourne movies, and yeah, but he's, I think, was nominated for Best Actor um, here, so (laughs) it's, it's, he's the only Poirot actor to be nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, so yeah, well, well appreciated in its time, this performance, and yeah, he's just a weird little guy. yeah. Which, um, if you read the book, it comes off yeah. you, like this guy's a weirdo. He's and a weirdo. He nails it. He nails it. It's down to his mannerisms and everything. It's it's per, it's a perfect perfect visual representation of Hercule Poirot. He's it's got like a really nasally, like you said, like seemingly fake accent. Yeah. Maybe that's just how Belgians sound. I've yeah. never spoken to one. Yep. Um, I've heard Kevin De Bruyne give interviews, but that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically this. Um, <laughs> and but, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, no, keep going. I was gonna go off of Finney for a second, but keep going. Yeah, yeah, Finney. I mean, yeah. he's great in this movie. I think he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I li- I really like his hair. It's I like, do too. He, they just took like that's like shoe polish that they just slicked his hair back yes. with. You know what I mean? I thought that added a great sort of like texture element to him. I like when he's getting ready for bed and you yeah. see that he's like you know laying his hair. Yeah, and yeah. His mustache he's has the, a little like yeah the hair night. net. <laughs> yeah. Is a very yeah, we'll get back to that at the end because I got a cool one for my ratings. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Speaking of mustaches, mentioned earlier, this is one of the few Agatha Christie adaptations that Agatha Christie actually thought was good. Uh, I wouldn't say she loved it. I think that the way it's phrased most places is she begrudgingly admitted that this one was pretty good. Yeah. Um, she did have a huge problem with his mustache. She thought it should have been better. Yeah. 
She said it should be, it's more coarse, mm. not as uh, sort of like handlebars yeah. slicked up. So yeah. her, her, the mustache she, she probably would have liked is Colonel Abuthnot's Sean, yeah, Sean Connery's. He has yeah. a very bristly mustache. He does, yeah. And uh, she, she complained because she had wrote that Poirot has the best mustache in England and this yeah. was a shit garbage yeah. mustache. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's... Uh, Definitely has nothing on Branagh's version of the mustache, which looks like no one else's, no but one it's else's, definitely yeah. prominent. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, Branagh's, uh, the visual effects for Branagh's a little bit better than the 74 version, but they're just working with better material. It's 40 or 50 years later. So we did a little bit like, here's what Sidney Lumet did. Here's what Alba Finney did. There's so many people in this movie, it's impossible really to go through this. The first one that they got, Lumet signed on saying, I don't want to do it if we're just doing, you know, British stage actors and character actors and just making like a small chamber piece. We wanted to have stars and make it glamorous. They wanted to get the first big domino down and then they thought it'd be a lot easier to get everyone else. And the first big domino was Sean Connery. Yeah. Who's worked with Lumet before at this point and since and an interview says he loves Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Um, and Connery wanted to do it. He loved the scripts. Yeah. Thought it was good. He said something like he was uh, stupidly flattered yeah. by uh, <laughs> Lumet's, uh, you know, wanting him to do this film. And he's, I think Lumet said, if we get, I want you on this film because if we get you, then everybody yeah. else will just fall right in line. Absolutely. And that's pretty much what happened. It was the sort of embodiment of there's no small parts, just small actors. Yeah. Um, the only one that, pushed back he said was ingrid bergman yeah she wanted a different role well not even she wanted the role that she got oh, but you're right, you're right, yeah. he said you should do this and it was the princess character dragomirov yep um who's like sort of old timey glamour and she said no i want to do this small part yeah. of the weird nanny yeah um who has all these ticks and all this sort of nervous energy and Lumet was like, are you sure? It's a much smaller part. And she's like, no, I want to do that. And he's like, okay. He's And in the interview I was watching, he's like, I would, any part, I just wanted Ingrid Bergman in yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. could have been Poirot if that's what she asked for. Right. <laughs> um, and then she, he did her take in one shot. Oh, right. Nice. The dialogue, they, they just had her do the whole thing and she did it on like the first take and that, that was it. It's Ingrid fucking Bergman. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah, right. right. <laughs> uh, Lauren Bacall's in this movie. Yeah. Just sure. Why not? Yep. Um, Vanessa Redgrave isn't yeah. as even as prominent then, but it's it's a mix of these you know very bright lights of Hollywood of golden age Hollywood even, yep. and then super super talented British stage actors. Yeah, um, a number of people during the shooting of this were starring in productions on the West End. Yep, um, I guess in between shooting days. <laughs> Uh, Ratchet is Michael Whit- Whitmer, Whitnock, Whitnock, Whitnick, Whitnick. Ratchet is, um, oh, the one. Oh, that Richard Whitmark. Whitmark, yes. Yeah, he's a, West, um, a lot of Westerns. Who said that he signed on just so he could meet the other people. Yeah, yeah, best. right, yeah. He seems like that type of guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the American. Uh, I just want to meet the Brits. Uh, and I guess this is running out quick. Uh, Anthony Perkins is in this movie. Yeah. Norm, Norman Bates himself being twitchy and having mommy issues. There's one character I'm I didn't I didn't actually look up the list of who's in this movie before I watched it. And I'm looking at this one character I'm like I know who this guy is. I can't place him. 
Who is he? It's Basil from Austin Powers. Michael York. <laughs> uh, this is a couple years after he stars opposite Liza Minnelli in Cabaret, yeah. which won Best Picture over Godfather, um, and might actually deserve it. That yeah. movie's fucking awesome, and he's yeah. great in it. And this is right in the middle of his run, starring in the pretty prominent Three Musketeers yep. 70s adaptations. Yeah. Uh, he was D'Artagnan in those. And uh, yeah, he he took some time out of this. And, and again, perhaps to people listening, his yeah. most prominent role is as Basil Exposition <laughs> in the Austin Powers films. I started laughing hysterically. I'm I wrote, like, I, I can't wrote, believe that that's Basil. Yep. I wrote, well done, Austin, in my notes. Uh, he's good in this well too. Well done, Austin. It seems like a really good situation. Uh, first off, Lumet is considered like a, an actor's director. They all right. love working with him, and yeah. he has a lot of empathy for what they do. And um, but it just like okay, you got like this one showcase scene, just knock it out of the park, yeah. and you're golden, <laughs> right? I mean, I, if I were one of them, I would want to do this movie with him also at that time. This is a true like who's who of an ensemble cast, like, yeah, wicked good. Um, seeing a lot of Vanessa Redgrave clips li- lately of the kind of weirdly simmering chemistry that she has with Tom Cruise in the first Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's her tone in that scene that people are sharing when Tom Cruise is like tied up and there's sort of negotiating is the same tone she has when she's being interviewed by Poirot yeah, in this right. movie. Yeah. It's like the same vibe. Exactly. <laughs> just 25 years apart. That's it's. I mean, she's just an excellent actress. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. The multi, yeah. She's a dame now, I believe. And yeah. You know, a lot of these people have uh, many Oscar nominations. Some of them have multiple wins. (laughs) Like it's kind of uh, star studded to to the nth degree. Yeah. But um, I'm surprised Ingrid Bergman. I mean, I'm not surprised that she won for Best Supporting Actress, but it was a smaller part. I knew that coming in and then was surprised watching the movie because it is a very small part. She's great in it. Yeah. But you think Bacall pops a lot more. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or the fact that Albert Finney didn't win yeah. for Best Actor. And then I'd be really interested because this, I mean, it is so starry, but you think of the 70s as New Hollywood and all of these innovations happening, that this feels like a very traditional movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is Lumet, but it still feels really traditional. Um, I, I should have gone back and looked what else came out in 74 that would have had options. But today, the more... The, the smaller part that isn't quite as poppy isn't normally what's nominated. Right. But there's a different sensibility. I mean, it's 50-ish years ago now. Yeah. 49, right? So. I think I think that's also a nod to Ingrid Bergman, maybe. She's getting, also up, that. She's getting up there, yeah. But she still uh, has that same recognizable face. Yeah, I think yeah. she's nearing 60 or is 60, and same with Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Here. Um, both are great in this movie. Yeah, no, ph- phenomenal. Um Let's uh let's do some plot. So Poirot's yeah. just on his way back to London. He just solved a big case in uh, uh Istanbul or Budapest or something. I think it was Istanbul, yeah. Yeah. And uh for the Turks. For the Turks. Yep. And so he's on his way back to London. He's going to get on the Orient Express that'll take him to Calais or is that just the name of the coach? <laughs> Um, and then he'll transfer it, to England somehow. I don't know. It, it, it might go to France and then to England. Yeah. Yeah. The Port of Calais is the closest point to England. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love the thing that happens in all of these movies that I don't know who started, but you know, it's a Poirot. It's already an established guy. We don't need a lot of backstory. Just trust that 
wherever he goes in the world, he has friends and they will get him things. Yep. Even though he's a weird little dude. Everybody already knows who he is. And he yes. is kind of like a curmudgeon type of guy, like doesn't yeah. want to be bothered. He already solved the case. He just wants to go home and people are yeah. bothering him. He's he's congested on a ferry going yeah. across, but already is collecting like a lot of clues just by being right. observant. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he gets to the hotel, he meets up with his friend, Mr. Bianchi, yep. who owns the company that owns runs the, the railroad. Express. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I got a coach for you. Yep insists that he gets put on it. That's yeah. that's basically what we're doing. You're getting a, what all of these movies do. You're being introduced to all these characters. Yep. Um, it is ironic that he gets, he insists to be put on a coach with no room. Mm-hmm. He's like, here, you board up with this guy. Yeah. In the, in the top compartment. <laughs> yes. Well, those were the second class ones. They had yeah. two bunks in those. Um, I uh, just really dug the way that, not to, you know, yada, yada, too much of the preamble, but after about 20 minutes, we're on the train. Yeah. And the way that it introduces characters at this point is you're seeing one by one them approach the train and get told what coach they're in. Right. And my brain's immediately trying to file away. Like they're making a really specific point to tell you which cabin everyone's in. Right, 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 right. right. Exactly. Which I really like. They're really laying out who's here. People are being shady. Anthony Perkins is like, it's all set up the way we agreed, right? Yep. To the um, the wagon Lee operator, yep. who's played by Vincent Cassell's dad, um, who's from I mean a million French things, but also some of the Ocean's movies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, it bothered me for a while because I was like, I definitely recognize and know everyone else in this movie, but that guy, I recognize his face, and it's like, oh, it's because he has the same face yeah, as Vincent like, Cassell. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I just like this format of where you're getting so much groundwork laid and then it's so propulsive when the music picks up, you get yeah. a, a brief montage of all this, this different train mechanics springing to life and we're out. We're on, we're on the train. I really appreciate the throwback. I really appreciate the, the train and the steam billowing out. Yep. It's a, you know, it's, it's a cool sort of set. Yep. Um, they're all really uncomfortable that Poirot's there. Yep. <laughs> no idea he was coming. Yes. No clue. Everyone's uncomfortable with the idea of him there. Uh, it's daytime. You see a, a number of scenes, people, you know, finding their cabins, yep. people shifting around. But I guess the next big plot relevant thing that happens is in the dining car. Yeah, when he meets where, Ratchet. When he meets Ratchet. And that's a difference in the book, too. The book, um, when Ratchet tries to buy his bodyguard service, in the in the film, he says, uh, the, my interest in your case is dwindling. But in the book, he says, I don't like your face. <laughs> That's even better. Yeah. Um, it was at that point that I was like, I don't know about Finney in this role yeah. because he goes really big. His his the way we've mentioned before that the accent's kind of weird, but it's not just how he's pronouncing things. It's also his delivery. Yeah, is he's yelling a lot. Yeah, <laughs> is that a Poirot thing? Uh, it doesn't, it seems the Kenneth Branagh version with a more measured sort of speak, yeah. I think is the way maybe Christie might've intended that character to be. Yeah. I think he's just doing an over the top French accent. Yeah. He's over the top. That's like volume wise yeah. over the top too. It's, it's also dwindling. Right. And then it, like the lights It's also the seventies and, uh, yeah. Colonel, yeah. Colonel Abbott has a sort of like this weird aversion to foreigners and he calls him a foreigner. Maybe yeah. like, uh, they're trying to maybe portray an act. This guy's a foreigner and not maybe not welcome among a certain group of people. Yes. Um, 
but I guess it is worth noting that Ratchet, despite being this seemingly shady guy, even yeah. at this point, you know, he seems shady. Uh, and he's American, which is a mark against him amongst this crowd, you'd think. Right. Um, he's also the only one that, like, invites Poirot to sit down with him, besides Bianchi, who was a friend from before this. Yeah. Um, and Poirot immediately insults him, and then yeah. he disappears. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says, what What do you do in business? What kind of business? Yep. Baby food. Ah, oh, what does it matter? <laughs> Uh, Hubbard, who is Lauren Bacall's character, is uh, established in this scene to be obnoxious and no one really wants to talk to her because she's loud. Uh, And you see a few other character dynamics playing out. Some of the people introducing themselves to each other, the butler sort of being aloof. Yeah. Um, The young couple seems to have some disagreement going on. It's Michael York. Um, And uh, yeah, it's just good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jacqueline Bissett plays his wife. Oh, Uh, yeah. So I think... Jacqueline Bissett is one of uh, Vanessa Redgrave and I think Michael York are still alive. And I, and I think that that's who's still alive in this movie. That's it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I guess we, sh- we kind of touched on, but we should mention the actual beginning of the movie is pretty clever. It's a sort of weirdly filmed Maybe it's just the frame rate is slowed down or they're doing some effect on the screen. I'm not smart enough to know. Um, Reenactment of a baby being kidnapped from their home. Yeah. Amidst newspaper headlines that are like, there's like a freeze frame at certain points of this sequence and then it's a newspaper headline and it tells you what's happening. Right. Essentially, they're just doing the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Uh, She writes, Agatha Christie writes the book based on that exact headline. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe the maid was part of it. All these, you know, the the butler was attacked. Yep. Um, the father is a famous pilot. His right. young wife, so distraught. Um, people die from grief afterwards. All this stuff. Uh, just probably something we should mention as yeah. we're going into yeah. Right, 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 right. That's the main premise for the story. Yep. And the baby is Daisy Armstrong. So, um... I like the, I don't know if it's foreshadowing, when they go into the tunnel after he says, my interest in your case is dwindling. Yeah. It sounds like a scream at first, but you realize it's just like the brakes or the the, the wheels on the train. Yeah. Like All right. There's a, Poirot's moved to the Pullman's car, and the only other person in there is a Greek doctor, uh, Dr. Constantine, um, who also seems to just sort of be around. Yep. <laughs> There's only three people not involved in the murder. Yep. Allegedly. And uh, Dr. Constantine's one of them. Yep. The good Greek doctor. There's a lot of things that happen over over the course of the night, one of which is Poirot getting ready and really making sure his hair remains just a shell of shine, including his mustache. And he overhears some voices. You're cutting between the loud train and the quiet interior. And then he hears, after he's been asleep for some amount of time, a man cry out in the middle of the night. <sighs> yep. Uh, he looks L- out his literally. door. <sighs> yeah. It sounds like he's really getting stabbed. Yep, he does. He's super getting stabbed. Uh, Poirot looks out into the hallway and sees uh, Pierre, Pierre is yep. the uh, the conductor yeah. who's assigned to this, uh, to the Calais coach. Yep. And he is told, like, don't worry, it's just a nightmare. And so he goes about it. But yeah. Poirot is obviously... Whatever. But he's told in French. He's told in French. And Ratchet 
has a dialogue with Poirot in the dining car that says he only speaks one language. Yep. He doesn't speak any languages. Yes. So why would he say something in French if exactly. he only speaks one language? That's clue number one. Yep. I love how it's giving you bits and pieces of clues and possible motivations and interactions and here's who was here then. Uh, I think it's he looks up he looks up the cart and he sees uh, someone in a shawl with yeah, yeah. you know a white shawl with red animals on it. Yeah, um, it's all it's all good stuff. Then the train gets stopped by a snowdrift. But it, it, he says in French uh, one of my favorite dialogues when he says he says the after all the commotion dies down mm-hmm. he says the silence of death. That's what he says. Yeah. That's the one thing it didn't caption. Yeah. On, oh uh, yeah, Apple. yeah, 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 yeah. I was just like, Ooh, I don't know what he said. <laughs> That's great. That's what he says. Perfect. Yep. He knows what's up. Yeah, yeah, he already knows. He knows what's up. He's like, I just want to go home, damn it. Yep. In the morning, Mrs. Hubbard is complaining that there was a man in her room, and she says that it was Ratchet. They go to Ratchet's cabin, and he's dead. (laughs) He's dead. He had one too many amber moons. Too many amber moons. Um, He's immediately, I should say, Poirot immediately is snapped out of his kind of doddering weird guy and he immediately snaps into super sleuth mode and is like, he takes over, don't touch that, leave that, get the doctor, here we go. (laughs) He's he's born for it. Yeah. So you cut to see Bianchi is in the dining cart and he is telling everyone what's going down while Poirot is sending for the doctor and for Bianchi. So they're in there. The three of them are in there. Uh, Bianchi starts almost vomiting when they see that Ratch has been stabbed a bunch of times. And uh, (laughs) Poirot says, if you have to go whoop, whoop, do it outside. (laughs) Um, Which is like, I don't think that's what anyone's ever called that, but whatever. Then he he asks the Greek doctor to tell him how many... Yes. Like, tell me how many stab wounds are there. But he already knows. Yes. Because he already knows who did it. Yep. I, I love these. And this happens so many times. And I think Ryan Johnson sort of picked up on this yeah, too. Is, exactly. Oh, yeah. This guy knew what was happening the whole time and he's just playing everyone else. Right. And that's all he's doing. And, yep. He's just, he's only confirming. He's not actually finding out anything new when he's interviewing him. Yeah. Um, Poirot immediately lays out the timeline as he was led to believe it was, which he already knows is probably wrong. Yeah. Um, not probably. He already knows he that already this knows. isn't what happened, but he yeah. says, okay, I heard these yells at 20 to one. He heard Ratchet apologize to Pierre. Uh, he used his wash basin and that's the last anyone heard from him. Bianchi asked Poirot to take the case. So the police don't have to, and his, uh, line doesn't get bad publicity. <laughs> Uh, and they start interviewing people. They start with Anthony Perkins, who is uh, McQueen. Yeah. He's very twitchy, very stammery. He shows the death threats. <laughs> yeah. But um, a lo- just to back up a little bit before that, when, when he's talking to Ratchet in the dining car, and he tells him about the letters that he's getting on his death threats, which is why he asked him to be the bodyguard, uh, a scene that I really like is when he takes out the the, the, the hat box and he puts yes. the burnt note between his like and the... Is either Bianchi or I forgot. The doctor says, "Well, what's the mustache wax for?" As if to say, "Like you gonna why are you gonna do your mustache right yeah. now?" And he goes, "No, no, no. It's to heat up the wax, you idiot. You know what I mean?" And yes. he puts it between the two hat boxes, and it, you see uh, the letters that eventually spell out the whole thing would have been Daisy Armstrong. Yes. Yeah. 
that's really cool. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Just a sequence that he just was like, he immediately was like, I know exactly what I have to do to recover the writing on this burnt piece of letter. Yeah. And it's this. Right. And I love that. Like, as it's about to happen, he's like, remember it quickly. Yeah. You only got like two seconds to look at this. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's just good stuff. Uh, Anthony Perkins, I think, is really good in this scene. Um, I maybe start saying that, but just know I feel that about everyone in this movie. Yeah. They are good in the scene where they're being interviewed. It's expertly cast. The rest of the movie essentially is just these interviews now. Yeah. And you slowly learn about what each character, well, who they really are yep. and uh, their connection to Daisy Armstrong. Yep. Um, but who's who's your favorite one? Ooh. Who would be your favorite character? I... Oh, man, I don't know. Of the people who get interviewed here? Yeah. I really like the scene with the princess because it's so weird. Yeah. Um, And she's, like, obviously lying but is also old, so he's not, like, being too nasty to her. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I do like the Perkins stuff. It's good. I don't know. I guess it's hard to not pick Ingrid Bergman here. She won the Academy yeah, Award no, for the one yeah, scene here. Yeah. So. I, I just love Sean Connery. I was going to say, I think Connery it, just has his a good interview, line. The, the interview with them is just, his, I just think it's really good. And he, he has that line. His whole vibe is yeah. pretty strong. Like yeah. you, Everyone, despite getting really just one showcase scene, is does feel fully realized yeah. in an interesting way. Yep. Yeah. And he has the best quote about, um, uh, I already forgot it. I should have wrote it down. About... Uh, he has. He's like, ah, oh, what I know about the case, but I think he should be. I don't think he should have been killed. I think it should be a trial yes. by a jury. Twelve, uh, yeah, a jury by twelve peers. Yeah, uh, Tried honest in, and true. Or yeah, whatever. honest and true. Yeah, yeah, an honest and true system. Yeah, yeah, good and true system. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think that's he, good. Yeah, I love when they. He's like, I'm gonna put him in jail. Yeah, on the rock. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also like. The dynamics at play, they're all lying about yeah. their attachment to the case. But I, I love when he is basically says, you know, oh, I thought he would have been stronger than that to commit suicide. Right. When you know this is actually someone he really cares about Yeah, it's, a lot. it's his best friend. <laughs> yeah, and he obviously doesn't probably actually feel that way. And then yeah. Poirot gets really right in his face just to kind of get a rise out of him. Right. Because, like, he knows he's lying yeah. and he knows that, like, being called on this specific um, doubt of his best friend's, you know, courage yeah. or whatever. And he, he also yeah. has a double motive because he's not only covering for himself, but he's yeah. covering for his yeah. lover. Mrs. Debenham. Mrs. Debenham. Or Mrs. Sec- Debenham. The secretary. By, uh, yeah, the secretary, Vanessa Redgrave. Um, it's hard to pick. They're all really good, but yeah. I think the Connery one's a standout, uh, especially because he kind of gets two because he gets to come back yeah. for that. He also has that the great line of... Um, Mrs. Debenham is not a woman. She is a lady. Yes. <laughs> Just like, uh, where we go with this, Sean? Um, it's good stuff. I like that Perkins McQueen is immediately one of the few people who's immediately like, yes, I knew that family quite well. And yeah. I also hated Ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy treated him like crap. Yes. Yeah. I don't like this guy. And also I like, seemingly was in like a kind of love or sort of like a puppy love thing. Yeah. Well, I, I took it as like he, it's more, he was like a motherly figure. She yes. Like a, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to For put whatever it. Whatever reason. Yeah. 
yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I, I can't imagine why I would think uh, Perkins has some sort of issues with a motherly love. Yeah, right. Or, no, <laughs> or no, you're absolutely friend. right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and he's also an American, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which does stand out. Yep. Um, this is going on back in Ratchet's cabin. They do the paper like you said before that lets them know that the true identity of this guy wasn't ratchet but instead the the kidnapper or at least the person who organized the kidnapper the kidnapping and murder of the number two guy or the number one guy right the guy that got away yes the one who didn't have his hands on yeah uh the person who did get captured and tried for it or whatever um he has a really great line during this scene back in the cabin when he's like setting up the thing or, or about to say, like, that guy's actually Carsetti. Uh, is it Cassetti? Cassetti, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Think of um, The Wire, Carcetti, yeah, yeah, running yeah, for yeah, mayor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Cassetti, and he his delivery on, there are too many clues or something like <laughs> right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, he weird, always, but yeah. cool. <laughs> he always has these weird, the way yeah. he says things are just so weird. So even this early, he's kind of tipping to, Dr. Constantine and Tibianchi, like, all right, somebody is totally trying to lead us in a certain Yeah, direction. right. Um, so this guy's Cassetti. He's not just responsible for the ba- baby's kidnapping and death, but for five deaths. And he lays out, this person was under suspicion and killed themselves. And yeah. then these people, due to grief, did the same. And it's really five deaths. Yep. And you look at also the staff members that were killed in the process. Yep. Um, so they set up in the Pullman's car now, and most of the rest of the interviews take place in the Pullman's car. Right. Which is a really classic kind of drawing room type place that these whodunits all, always get to. Yeah. But to your point earlier, except for Princess uh, Dragomirov. Yes. Because of the indifference to her, they go yeah. to her coach. So he's not a he's not a savage. No. Yeah. No. That scene's awesome. It's so yeah. dark and claustrophobic. Yeah, and yeah. She's so old. She's so old. Like her mouth like barely moves. <laughs> Yes. I didn't know the driver. I had my own. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Mrs. Freebody. Uh, they talk to Pierre first, the conductor. Mm-hmm. Kind of walk him through. This is one of the first times it transitions into there's someone describing what they were doing, and then it just shows you the scene of what they were doing. Yeah. Or at least what they say yeah. that they were doing. Right. Um. I like that there's a run here of sort of these rapid fires interviews where after each of them, Bianchi says, well, obviously that guy did it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And the first time Constantine agrees with them after they talk to Pierre yeah. and Poirot is just basically laughs at them. Yeah. And then every other time it's just Bianchi and the doctor tells him he's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think that that's like, um, again, again, like the anti sort of immigrant theme. Maybe. That- I think it'll be a little bit of a slight undertone that this movie has. It's similar to like, uh, maybe it has no relation, but I, when I saw that, I thought of like the movie Casablanca where they also make fun of the Italian counterpart to, uh, sure. inspector the, yeah. 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 Because they, they just, the Italian guy just always yelling and excited and they, yeah. they, they kind of make, make him out to be kind of an idiot. And the same thing with, to be fair, he's right. Yeah. They did all do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, maybe so, that's so yeah, maybe that's the undercut at the end, yeah. but that probably is the joke that they're playing on. Yeah. And then it's also kind of just like, even in the mid thousands in Euro trip, 
there's like the Italian guy who's just weird. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Goofy, train. aloof. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the guy who just says scoozy a lot. Yeah. Scoozy. Um, they bring McQueen back in. That's Anthony Perkins. Then they get Beddoes. He's the butler. Yep. Uh, Geegland, I want to say. He's one of these, you know, super stage actors. Yeah. Yep. And um, I like his whole thing. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he he serves as like a typical butler role. He could be the butler from yeah. Clue. Yes. <laughs> and he was a Batman in the war, yeah. uh, which yep. isn't as he, cool as it sounds. <laughs> he was the caped crusader. Yeah. In World War II. He was basically also just a butler, but in war. Yeah. Um, that, right. Right. But he He's also British, counts as serving. And he, British. It's still, you know, it's, yeah. it is still seeing combat and stuff. Yeah. It is very British, but like he was assigned to a guy. But if you serve in the British army, because it's still, they still owned India, then you are, you get a British Batman. But if you serve in the Indian army, you get an Indian Batman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which becomes an important point of distinction later. So, um, Beddoes has a great joke where Ratchet, uh, asks him what he's reading and um, he asks if it's about sex. Oh, yeah. And Beto's responds, no, it's about 10.30. Yeah. And Pro laughs, laughs and laughs. <laughs> it's about 10.30. Yeah. Um, then he leaves and Bianchi thinks he did it too. Yeah. That's sort of just, I don't want to make it sound too boring because this is all pretty good and they're yeah. doing the reenactments. And yeah. I think it's all good stuff, but it is a lot of this person comes in, says some stuff that's slightly in, maybe incriminating the way yeah. you look at it. They leave. Bianchi says they did it. They're all trying to throw <laughs> Poirot off the yeah. case. And Pro, I, to your point before, Poirot plays along, but nothing gets by Senor Bianchi because he sniffs them all out. Yep. Uh, Hubbard comes in. That's uh, Lauren Bacall. Yep. Uh, they're really... <laughs> I feel like they're very, not necessarily rough, but just like very brusque with yeah. her. Where they're like, all right, lady, yeah. short answers, yeah, yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. And he just keeps cutting her off because she does try to give longer answers and they just do not want to hear her talk. No, he knows. Uh, and she talks about finding the button yep. from the uh, conductor's vest. She pours out a whole pocketbook. I'm like, what's this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then it's Olsen, that's Bergman. So it's the Bergman scene. This is the scene that she wins an Academy Award for. Yeah. It's really good. I yeah. don't know what else to say. Her whole, just the whole <laughs> monologue. She says brown babies a lot. Yeah. Like six times. Well, she becomes like a, a missionary out of the guild. Yes. Yeah. So she had a sign from God that yep. she should be doing mission work. Yep. Um, and seems really nervous. And this it's, it's just a, doesn't speak complete fluent English. It's a really interesting, I think, performance. And Bianchi thinks she did it also. Yep. <laughs> Then the last one that we get through this section of the Pullman's cart is the younger couple, the Count and Countess. That's uh, Michael York and Jacqueline Bissett. Yep. They're good. Yeah. No, excellent. Know. And it, the uh, maybe a plot point we looked over is the handkerchief with the H on it. Yes. Which, He's trying which, to find who this handkerchief belongs to with an H on it. So it's pretty obvious. It's not, well, I wouldn't say it's obvious, but you can sort of figure out that they're all in on it. Yeah. I, but the interesting part piece to this movie and the way it plays out is how they're involved and the way Poirot figures it all out. Even though he already knows that they're all involved, he doesn't know how they're involved, right? He, he has no way of knowing who they are yeah. in real life. The way he figures it out is, I think, is very clever and very interesting. And it's excellent in the book 
the the dialogue as that goes he goes through that whole process. And my favorite plot point is the handkerchief because who knows the Cyrillic alphabet in Russian that the N is really an H. Yeah. Right. Nobody knows that. So when you finally realize that, it's like oh, that that takes a lot of time to think of and plot out. And I thought that that was excellent. It really was. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Uh, and like the green, the Greenwood and Grunwald stuff. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. It's just all good. Yeah. And you, I, I do like that. If you knew, if you know this stuff that Poirot knows, you yeah. could get there too. Right. Uh, I wish there's a lot of other ways to, to get to the conclusion. But yeah. But Princess uh, Andreni, Andre. Yeah. Com- so please, Countess. Countess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the way that she erases her name, it's not. Her real name is Helena, not Elena. Yes. So is this handkerchief hers? And Paul's like, no, no, no. We, because uh, Michael York, the count, he's like, no, no, she didn't do anything. Like, yeah. he's like, no, no, don't worry. I know it's not her handkerchief. <laughs> you know, this is also one of the times that it is most sort of um, putting on the sauce where these two characters, when he has her passport and he's yeah. like, there's this grease spot that's blocking part of right. it. Um, and they're just like, it's just cutting to, close-ups of each of them sort of nervously the like, on looking face. at each other. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, well, these people aren't innocent, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it's sort of not the point to figure it out since everyone did it. Yeah. Like Poirot or By that knew. point, you already, know, you already know too. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This then goes to, like we said before, the Princess Dagomirov. She's over in her own cabin. Yep. They go there. She's uh, kind of spooky. Yeah. <laughs> With her maid. With her maid. She doesn't get out of bed. She's wearing like, sh- you know, shawls black, and it's yeah. black and it's dark in here. And she kind of lays out some of the information, but to Poirot's later point, substantially less information than someone who was the godmother yeah. of the mother yeah. of the baby yeah, yeah. who died. Yep. Um, she probably wouldn't have known more information. Yeah. <laughs> and this is pretty clearly being withholding. Yeah. And he does that when he, as he's, at the end scene, when he, they're all back on the train and they yeah. revisit her, she has like the one of the longest ones. Yes. And they, they replay her scene all the way and he goes, C'est impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Another kind of funny moment that I don't know is probably supposed to be played for comedy or at least comic effect, where they leave Dagomirov's cabin. He asks Bianchi to go get Sean Connery, uh, Colonel Arbutnot. Yeah. And then uh, he, he like calmly asks that and then immediately turns and sprints down the cabin yeah, toward, right. towards the maid. Yep. Uh, and then he's in with the maid in her compartment. They see that the suitcase has been tampered with. A uh, conductor's uniform missing a button is in there. There's a passkey in the pocket. He eventually sort of um, works out that she knew the maid. Yep who was the person falsely sort of speculated who who ended up dying. She has a picture of her. He gets the picture from her, promising to give it back later and um, sort of like traps her uh, linguistically yeah. into being like, oh yes, all my ladies love my cooking. Yeah, and right, she's right, like, right. oh no, I shouldn't have said you that. You must be a good cook, yeah. Yeah. Because a maid wouldn't have ladies. Yeah. Right. He heads back to his compartment where he finds the red and white sleepwear and laughs maniacally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just laughs and laughs and laughs. Then they do the Sean Connery bit. This yep. is really good. Yeah. Asking about Shinoga, India, and suggesting things about Miss Debenham, sort of like kind of riling him up. Yep. Calling him out on like questioning this, the... Yeah. Well, he says his wife 
he there and he met her because his, his wife was unfaith, unfaithful, but it's probably yes. the other way around. Yeah, seemingly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's currently in a legal process of divorcing his wife, and yeah. so he doesn't want the fact that he's having an affair to get out. Yeah, right. Weaken his position ro- yeah, in right. court. Yep. You're just like, oh, yes, different times. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that is that is the right thing to do. Yeah, right. Like, Poirot doesn't question that part no. at all. Um, well, it's really doesn't. It's. <laughs> It's not. It's none of his business. It's I, I think. There. Yeah, it's not why he's there. I don't. Yeah. I think that there is judgment on yeah. him here. I don't think it's letting him off. Right. Just, right. Uh, for sure. Cool for guy sure. pass. Yeah. Um, and and we're leading up to the most underrated character, Foscarelli. Yes. Yeah. Another stereotype. They ask him. They ask uh, Connery about his peep cleaner. Yeah. I th- that was. I'm like, what's a peep? <laughs> no, it's the clean peeps. He has to clean peeps. Oh, is it Easter? I love peeps. Uh, I don't, but yeah, it's uh, off-putting to hear everyone say peep instead of pipe. But they only say it a few times, then they go back to pipe. Yeah. <laughs> I think when Arbutnot says it, he's kind of making fun of uh, Poirot, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's trying to take a little dig at his accent. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, then they bring in Debenham, and yep. Arbutnot wants to stay, and they say no because they're playing him like a fiddle yeah and they're but they're gonna let him stand over there so he sees poirot yelling at debenham yeah 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 um not really they bring in debenham that's this is vanessa redgrave's character yeah um and it's it's nice they have some chemistry too i love that he starts the interrogation with uh why do british people insist on hiding their best feelings yeah um and she goes i don't know yeah she, she has a better answer than that but it's really charming yeah and then he just is kind of yelling at her and gesticulating wildly um, in a place where our butt can see them through a window, right? To uh, basically get him to get all angry and to yep. storm in, yeah. <laughs> and it works. Yeah, there. That's that's when Connery sort of rolled, lays out the divorce proceedings, and he's like, "If I tell you this to show that we're not like responsible, you got to promise not to do anything." Yeah, and he. Uh- he has the uh, another line up and not has at this time. He says, uh, "Can I? Uh, do you promise that I have your word as a foreigner?" He says, "That is weird." Yeah. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. There's something about that because he's he's very English. Well, he's Scottish. Yes. Yeah. And then Foscarelli comes yeah. in. Yeah. He's, hey, he's Italian. Must be a car driver. You know what I mean. Got those Italians. All they do is drive cars. He's a naturalized American citizen. Yep. He barely gets to talk before Mrs. Hubbard shows up in yep. the window yep. with a seemingly bloody dagger. Yep. Um, well, he asks him, "Do you have you ever been in private service?" And he goes, "No, no, no." <laughs> um. There's a moment. That's it. Yeah, no. that's it. That's it. There's a moment here where. Poirot comes out and says in a callback to a Macbeth quote he made earlier, Yeah, why did you bring the dagger from the place? Yeah. It's one that he yelled a little bit earlier at the princess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who right. didn't know if it was a quote or he was actually asking. Right. <laughs> Seeing that the dagger is in the makeup bag, Poirot asks Hubbard to ask the attendant to set up chairs for the reveal of the solution of yeah. the murder. Dun, dun, dun. In the... Uh, I just love when stuff like that happens when he's yeah. like, I figured it out and I'm, yeah. now I'm going to tell everyone, go but, set the stage for me. But right before that, he also presents like, oh, it could have been, he's, well, it tells Bianchi and the, the doctor. Yes. This could have been uh, some, well, Foscarelli 
alleges that it's a uh, mafia hit. Yes. So he says, well, this could have been that. And then since we're stuck in the snowbank, the guy conveniently escaped while the train was stopped. Yes. And he's, and he says, he sends Hubbard off to get that set up and, and tells Bianchi and Constantine, all right, this last one will confirm what my, what I'm, my thinking is. Yeah. And it's Hardman. He also, oh yeah, keep going. Yeah. Hardman, who says, I'm not what you thought I am. I'm actually a Pinkerton. I was hired as the bodyguard of Ratchet. I guess I'm doing a lousy job. Yeah. Um, Poirot doesn't even respond. He just hands him the picture of the maid who died. He already knew. And uh, he's just like, well, I guess now I can stop pretending to be anything. Yep. (laughs) He just gives up. Some Pinkerton agent he is just gives up. Uh, He knows that, that it was Paulette. He used to be a cop, all that stuff. Yep. Now we're in the dining cart for the well, climax. It's his, yeah, it's his love interest, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, he's he's in love with. Her. Yeah. Um, now we're in the dining cart for the climactic reveal. I looked at the timeline and like, there's 32 minutes left. I wonder if this is the rest of the movie. Yeah, and it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a diatribe. It legit is. Yeah. Um, and it's all a long. Well, first a fairly simple explanation. You see Poirot come in. He's setting up the different items, the evidence on a table meticulously. The camera kind of pans up and it's moving around. All our characters are sort of lining the outside of this and Poirot's pacing the middle. As he first lays out the simple explanation, it was a guy, it was a mafia hit, he climbed on. It was a bigger dude, obviously, because the button that we found matches a uniform that we found that was for a very husky person. Right. Um, and sure, that's what we could tell the yep. cops. That's the simple explanation. Or there is a more complex one. Yeah. And but then Constantine says that's absurd. Yeah. It obviously wasn't that. And Poirot says, well, you might want to reconsider yes. that assessment. Yes. Momentarily. Yeah. I have a more Hold complex my be- ex- Hold my Amber Moon. <laughs> I do like that he says, while I'm doing the more complex version, do keep in mind the simple version. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he will come back to that. And he lays out everything that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, what actually happened was when he heard those noises at around 1 a.m., it was purposeful distraction. Ratchet had already been knocked out by some poison yeah. or sleeping agent that McQueen had put into his drink. Yep. McQueen stayed in there. He's the one that made the noises. They waited until Poirot went back to sleep. Um, well, the, the person in the shawl was a red herring, all of this stuff. They waited until they thought Poirot was back to sleep. Around 2 a.m., they all got together and did a ritual murder. Yep. He's in a somewhat, some reason he's in a two-way uh, bunk, co- coach car or whatever. Right, yeah. Everyone together, making it a total number of 12. Yep. Um, they all take turns stabbing this guy. Yep. And the alliteration is because they, they are their own jury, their, their yes. own 12. Yep. Yes. Which was, jury, I thought, was another... Peers exactly. Another cool... Uh, plot point that I didn't really pick up on the first time uh, I watched it. Yeah. Um, you find out that all of these people had connections. They were Pierre, the conductor, was the mother, not the brother, was the father of Paulette, the maid, the maid. who yeah. Hardman was in love with. Uh, Mrs. Hubbard, Lauren Bacall, is actually Linda Arden. Linda Arden, the actress. famous actress, yeah. who was the mother of the the woman who was, who was in turn the mother of Daisy Armstrong, all, yep. all of this stuff. Uh, Sean Connery was best friends with Mr. Armstrong. And Foscarelli was the car driver right. for the family. 
Beddoes was the butler. Uh, Ingrid Bergman was the nursemaid for the baby. Yeah. Debenham worked as the secretary there. Everyone was connected. Yep. And the princess was the godmother. Godmother. The countess Uh, was the sister. Yep. Uh, The the count had no connection except being the countess's husband. Yeah. That's his only connection. Yeah. Um, But he wasn't stoked about that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, you made my wife sad. Yeah. yeah. I forget exactly what he said. That's basically the reason. Yeah. And then like you and then maybe he's just mad that uh, uh, some rich people died. He's like, yeah. you, you're not allowed to kill rich people. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that scene where they're all stabbing him. It it's is very, very blue. 70s. Yeah. It's, it's like everyone's right down the barrel yeah. saying this is for whatever. Right. There's um, no blood. No. And they stab kind of oddly. Yes. Everyone has a different version of what yeah. they're doing for the stabbing. It's It's cool though. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Hubbard, who we now know as Linda Arden, is watching the whole time. Yeah, because she's the maestro of the... Yes, she's the brains of the op. Yep. Um, it's just good. Yeah. I love that as Poirot... And we, I mean, we get there eventually. As Poirot's laying out, here's what actually happened. You're seeing the reenactments. Yeah. Um, every time he's like, here's why I knew you were lying, and then it cuts to the person. It's, it's sort of like a really close angle. It's a very different angle from the first way it was filmed. Yeah. Usually sort of tilted and close up or low or high or whatever. And, um, I don't know. It's just really interesting. I just really like this. (laughs) Right. And at some point, um, I I forgot who he says it to, but somebody's line says, he says something like, I think, and, um, Senor Bianchi goes, you think, and he goes, yes, yes. Think, think we're stuck here in a snow drift. I have nothing else to do, but think. Yeah. (laughs) And why is everybody lying to me when they have clearly nothing to lie about? Yes. He's almost like by the end of his whole, uh, you know, figuring everything out, he almost like comes to side with them. It's like, I, I, if you didn't just lie to me in the first place, this would have been over a long time ago. I kind of agree with what you guys did. Yeah. Even though I'm not supposed to as a detective. I, that's the way I took it. And that's, that's why I, the ending of this movie is just truly phenomenal. I agree. It's, um, like I said before, it's just him laying out this stuff. Right. But he, the way he's modulating, he's yeah. getting louder, softer, more specific, broader, yep. moving around, doing business with his hands, picking stuff up. Yep. Yeah, it's just it's just pretty thrilling stuff. And it is just taking place in this one drink apartment. Yeah. Um, hard to do, but the way that Lumet's filming it is really interesting too. Like so there's different angles yeah. and the camera is still moving around as Finny is. It's I like it. Everyone stabbed this guy. It really, then this part really did take about 28 minutes, leaving yeah. four minutes for the train to leave the bank and yeah. credits. <laughs> well, they, I mean, the way it, the true, the ending is, you know, well, Senor Bianchi, like, yeah. what do you think we should do? And Bianchi goes, I think it was, uh, it was the mafioso guy and he got yep. away. Everyone toasts. Yep. They're and all like, yeah, we got to champagne. kill a guy. <laughs> and, uh, Abut not says, uh, here, here. Yeah. Here, here. here. <laughs> that's it. Champagne toast and Poirot goes off and he says, I have to res- wrestle with the uh, Yugoslavian police as well as my conscience. I should note they mirror everyone walking in the room to stab Ratchet slash Cassetti with everyone coming up to toast Lauren Bacall's yeah, this, uh, Linda Arden. Yeah. Um, as you're seeing some other stuff as Poirot's like, you know, reclining and yeah. going like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah. Uh, it's it's nice. Yeah. It's a nice moment that she has toasting with everyone. Right. You see, like, they have different people are interacting with her differently. 
Um, there's one moment where, uh, not to skip back, but when he's describing what happened and how uh, Ingrid Bergman's character was involved, um, I forgot her. Do have we said her name? The character name? I forget what it was. Yeah, I just uh, Mrs. Uh, Grunwald. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was. I forgot her first name. Yeah, she was the uh, Olson. It's Olson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. Mrs. Olson. Um, she was the nursemaid of the baby, and as Poirot's explaining that, there's like a less than a second cut to uh, the figure of a woman on the ground in a that's tied to a chair that seemingly has oh, fallen over. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's sort of like it wakes you up. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's really, yeah, 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 really intense. All of a sudden, just yeah. really. At that same moment, he says, "You're lucky that you weren't uh, knocked over the head like, yeah, Beto's over here, and they, he let you get away." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just real stuff. You can see like how scarring that would have been for that character. Yeah. You like, you actually believe she's feels like she has to do this stuff as like a kind of penance because yeah. she was in charge of the baby and it got kidnapped from its own. Yeah. Crib, she's obviously racked with guilt. Um, and so when she's going to toast McCall up at the end, I made it connect back to what we actually were talking about. You yep. see, she's still like pretty tentative. She's not, yeah. she's like the only person that isn't like smiling or happy right. or um, content, I guess is how a lot of them are looking. Yeah. Not necessarily celebratory, but more just like relief or satisfaction. And she still looks like, pretty messed up yeah right 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 right, right. <laughs> oh man good stuff it's just a, a, excellent film i'm glad that i i'm glad you picked this one and uh i was we watched it for you know the, the podcast too. as opposed to the, the new one which is like a lot of um just, just like the way movies were made we would talk about this all the time but the set designs and the costumes and uh every all glamorous. that is, is excellent and then the new one is really good too but there's a lot more you know special effects involved and i feel like there's a this is just really good actors doing their best work. Yep. So um, we mentioned a couple of these before. Bergman wins Academy Award for Supporting Actress. Uh, Finney gets a Best Actor. Screenplay, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, and Best Costume Design. Yeah. Um, those all sound right. So yeah, again, this is completely set on a train Yeah. and gets Best Cinematography. So recognized at the time even. I, it looks awesome. Yeah. It just looks awesome. And you like Branagh? I like. I think Branagh's a well. He's obviously a legendary actor in his own right. Yeah. I the his movies missed the mark, but not because of him. It is something else that's missing. Well, Death on the Nile was terrible, and half the half the actors in it are terrible themselves, right? So mm-hmm. it was it wasn't that good. But they, there is a 1980 79 version of Death on the Nile, 78. Uh yes, right. Not that long after this yeah. movie is another version. With a different Poirot, just as many stars, yeah. pretty much. I think Maggie Smith's in that one. Ma- Maggie Smith is in that one, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and a bunch of other things. And in, in the new murder on Orient Express, Johnny Depp plays Ratchet. And he, he's actually, he's not bad in it. He, he's a believable Ratchet. But um, most of the others, I, it, they're okay. But Kenneth Branagh is very good. And has a different opening scene that sort of sets the stage that is very good. Yeah, 78 is that one. Uh, Maggie Smith, Angela Lansbury. Angela, that's right. Betty Davis, Mia Farrow. Yeah. David Niven's in it also, Jack Warden. Um, And there's a third Branagh Poirot coming also. Yeah, Uh, also comes out around Halloween. Okay, Haunting in Venice. Yeah. Have you read that one? No. Okay. The only- I don't know really anything about it, except I think Tina Fey's in that one. She is. 
So the only two books I've read were ABC Murders, which is pretty good, and this one, Murder on the Orient Express. And the ABC Murders, the TV show, is pretty good. The uh, the kid from Belfast is in A Haunting in Venice, so I guess he's just going to be a Branagh company player. Oh, nice. Going forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's uh, Camille Cotton, who I do love. She was on uh, Call My Agent. Yeah. And was also in very briefly in House of Gucci. Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey. Oh, nice. Um, the kid from Belfast. Michelle Yeoh is also in it. So this this one looks the trailer looked pretty good. I saw the trailer for it because I think it has a more of a suspenseful sort of scary element to it that might help. Yeah, it's it coming out in bit. October too, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The but Death on the Nile is just too long. Yeah. Um, but and this movie is two over two hours, but yes. it it totally flows right through. Yes, it's yeah. over two hours. It's primarily in one. Yeah. train right. <laughs> after 20 minutes in it's on the train yeah until credits it never leaves yep yeah. well it's literally stuck in a pile of snow yeah yeah it's just good it just makes it a powder keg it's you got that tension exactly. that stuff the kind of knowing um and so this is tells you this using ryan johnson's definition of whodunit yeah to differentiate between this whodunit month and a some tight someday a noir month is in uh whodunit's the detective figures it out and either puts it right or, you know, figures it out at the end. Yeah. Sets stuff good. Yeah. Um, and in a noir, people's lives are horrible forever. Right. <laughs> and I've, I think I might have said this before on previous podcasts, but my favorite TV show of all time is Columbo, oddly enough. And Detective Columbo, and you can tell how they've just pulled from Hercule Poirot. It's a, it's a little different of a setup, but the same sort of, he's kind of this weird guy. Yeah. Kind of aloof. You think really nothing of him. He's although he has this sort of um, he's underestimated. Exactly this huge yes. reputation. Everybody knows who he is, but they all think he's an idiot. Yes. But yeah, he's always one step ahead of everybody else. Yes. Yeah. They underestimate him. He knows a lot more than they think. He exactly. Does. Yeah. That's and that's the that's what makes those characters yeah uh, great for sure. Um, let's give this one a rating. Okay. Every week we'll take our ratings that we give on the podcast, and I'll put them up on the late to the movies letterboxed. On a scale of one to five, on any scale of your choosing besides stars, what would you give 1974's Sidney Lumet directed Murder on the Orient Express? I give this movie five uh, mustache hairnets out of five. <laughs> it's a really good one. I'm going to go four and a half amber moons out nice. of five. Nice. It's impossible not to. I was going to go five spotted dicks, but. <laughs> That's good too, yeah. <laughs> Um, I really liked this one. Yeah, no, this is an excellent, excellent They're film. really good. This is fun. They don't make movies like this anymore. They don't. They just really don't. They don't. They'd have to be like, I mean, we're literally just talked about the Branagh movies. Yeah. They're not like this. There's a lot of CGI in Death yeah. on the Nile. Right. <laughs> and this one has zero Johnny Depp in the 1974 version. Yeah. As opposed to the newer Birdie or Murder on the Orient Exactly. Express. 100%. Um, and uh, every month we'll pick a question. Yeah. To give on each episode, uh, if you listen to the Thin Man episode, you already know it, but so two separate parts of the question. What would you rather do? What do you think you'd be better at? Um, solving a murder or getting away with one? Um, I'd be terrible at both. <laughs> that is where I came down last time, but I'm hoping for, you know. Okay, I got you. It's good. Um, I, I would, I'd be worse at getting away with I, a murder. I could never get away with a murder. I'd, I would collapse in it. Terrible seconds. liar, yeah. and I have a horrible conscience. I might be okay with solving a murder. I'd be, yeah. I'd be better at solving a murder than I would be getting away with one. Yeah. If I had help, 
I could maybe Watson someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's much it's much more difficult than you think. <laughs> I could be the Bianchi for somebody's Faro. Yeah, exactly. I'm substantially less rich, but yes. Um, if I had something they needed, I would I could provide it. Yeah, <laughs> I could be uh, the Jude Law to somebody's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, probably, but then again, probably not because he's a, a doctor. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot he's a doctor. Um, me, a couple friends sent me uh, in the picture of, like our group chat on Discord. There's someone who looks like me, but is a doctor on the Cape. And it's like, oh, that was. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that's the doctor version of me. I, yeah. I'm the non-doctor version of yeah. me. <laughs> I like it. Um, so clearly couldn't be the Watson. Yeah. That guy, though, that doctor on the Cape, he could have been he a could, Watson. He could be Watson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being on. This oh, is a fun you. one. I really liked this. Isn't This isn't even necessarily like a bucket list movie, but just oh, like. No. Cool thing to throw uh, on. Yeah. And a good month. A good month. I think so, too. Yeah. I love these movies. Yeah. Um, a little preview. At some point, it might be the next episode, we're going to do Glass Onion, because um, all my friends, I think you've seen Knives Out. Yeah. They've all seen Knives Out, so we'll do Glass Onion. Yeah. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbeans. Uh, you can also check our Instagram, Long Dormant, now back again. Um, that's, it's, it's, of course, I immediately forgot what the handle is. Uh, Instagram.com, you get there to search for podcasts. No, that won't work. I think it's late to the movies underscore podcast. Email Noah, late to the movies at gmail.com. Best thing to do though, late to the movies.fireside.fm. That's the website. It has links to all these places that I forget the URLs for. Uh, aside from that, you know, stay, oh God, I don't know. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Wait, you said you only spoke one language. Relevant. Thanks, Anthony.